What if the Len Bias story is about University of Maryland phenom, who was the second pick of the 1986 draft, who went to the Celtics and just two days later had one of the most tragic and shocking deaths in sports history? The podcast investigates how Bias's death changed the trajectory of NBA history, sparked America's cocaine panic, and made a lasting impact on the world of sports and far beyond. Check out What If the Len Bias Story on the Book of Basketball 2.0 feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Popping Bruins, Logan Murdoch here, Sasha Mack on the boards, Raja Bell. Raja, I was doing the rundown this morning. Now we were planning to talk about you know, Trey Young, um, the Celtics' new coaching hire. Um, here to talk about it, you know, preview got preview a game, um, game three between the Suns and the Clippers, and you know, just a normal little, you know, pod. And then right before we get on the pod, Rick Carlisle, it's been reported that he is the new coach of the Indiana Pacers. Now, we both know that uh, you know the Indiana Pacers have gone through their, you know, level of troubles and we are we know how Rick Carlisle left Dallas. Just basically said, I don't want to coach Luka anymore. I can't do this. I don't want to do this and I need to walk away. And then I thought he was just going to walk I don't know if he was going to walk out into the sunset, but I thought that he was going to take some time and what I'm increasingly figuring out is coaches just need to coach. And immediately, he gets the Pacers job. What is your immediate reaction to Rick getting the Pacers job? Going back home. That man knew he had a Pacers job lined up. <laughs> That's what you say. <laughs> That's my immediate reaction. Like, he, he knew he had, like, he knew that the Pacers, um, through back channels, was going to be a great opportunity, or at least he had a great opportunity to get the job. And so I think it's a good look. I'd like, like, Rick, Rick Carlisle, you know, back back in the day, I guess you would call it now, with Ron Ron and, 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 and Jack and and Jamal and J.O., like they had really good teams. So he's familiar with how the, the Pacers work as an organization. He's familiar with the town. He's familiar with having to sell the town to some degree. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things that I think are great. Plus he's a great coach. Yeah. You know, Rick Carlisle is a really, a really, really good NBA coach. So I, I like it for him, but it speaks to, you know, that unwritten kind of language that's spoken behind closed doors right like we it's taboo to talk about it it's tampering and all of that shit but come on dog like 
Wait, you, are you saying tampering happens in the National Basketball Association? Right. Come on, bro. No, I would never say that. I could okay. never say okay. that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But I like it. I like the move. Ultimately, I like the move. Like, I, I think it, I think it's a good move. What do you think this says about his relationship with Dallas, man? Like, where he, you know, had a great thing. He could have coached in Dallas for, you know, a few more years at least, as long as he wanted to, as long as he kept the level of success. And he said, nope, fuck this. I can't. I don't want to coach a generational talent in Luka. I want to go somewhere where I, I'd imagine, and I'm just thinking, where I'm less stressed, where I don't have to deal with this shit. What does yeah. that say about what's, to you, from the outside looking in like me, what that might say about Dallas and that relationship that he had there? Was it, do you think it was that toxic enough for him to be like, no, I can't even fucking, I can't do this. Well, I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I'll answer it first. I, it's one of two things for me, right? It's not purely a Luca conversation because I, I don't know. I would just be speculating, but it would be one of two things. It would be him and Luca weren't on the same page, right? It could could be that. I don't know unequivocally. Or he was so tied to, to Donnie that, you know, and what Donnie's vision was aligning with his vision that he didn't want to go through whatever that looked like, you know, with the guy who's going to take Donnie's place. Maybe he didn't see eye to eye with that kid, that, that cat. But there was someone in the organization, whether it be a player or in that front office, like president, GM type of role that he was not getting down with. What say you? I think that it says a lot about it. It would seem like it says a lot about the what the dysfunction in Dallas, and also we've there've been reports out there that you know uh, him and Luca were at, at odds with the offense, right? And we all know that Rick Carlisle is a guy that is one hard on his point guards, but also really controlling of his point guards, right? And even when it's a Rajon Rondo, who we both know is one of the the smartest guys to play, and um, and in Luca right now, I see it as a thing of where this is a, this Pacers team, bit younger team. He could have a bit more control over this team in a way that I don't think he could have with the Mavericks, as you know, Luca's finding his power as we've been seeing, you know, over the last few few weeks. Um, I just see it as a thing where he can get more control with this organization and more control with this team and kind of mold this Pacers team into the vision that he wants to. There's some pieces there. Um, I think that they've always been, you know, the Indiana Pacers have always been a solid organization. You know, they haven't always, they, they, you can always just imagine that, you know, they might not be title contenders, but they'll always be in the mix of something, right? Um, and after the PG, after PG left, you know, they reinvent themselves. Um, Victor Oladipo um, plays really well. They're a team that can scare some folks in the postseason. And, you know, sometimes that's just, that's just what it is. You know, you're always around and there's something to be said for that. But, when you get a coach like Rick Carlisle, you, you, he probably imagine wants some more control. So I think that this is, it, it's more of that than anything. Yeah, and, and sometimes, you know, coaches, like you see a Monty Williams kind of reinvent himself as a coach and even be, you know, really candid about how he's evolved um, with today's player and his coaching style and philosophy. Not everyone can do it to that degree, you know? Yeah. like. I think to still be coaching, you've had to, you have to evolve, but maybe not to the degree that Monty has. So that's a great. I mean, it's a great point. I hadn't thought about it like that. There is probably more control to be had. You don't have that super super superstar like a Luca. Um, hey, let me ask you a question real quick. What's up? This is this, and we, we weren't probably going here with Luca, but Luca's brilliant with the ball in his hands, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking the other day about you know how gifted guys are with the ball in their hands and what that's like playing with them at times. And it's, I'm not tapped in all the time, bro. So I, you, you know, you're plugged in way more than. Has anybody ever 
describe playing with Luca as being difficult or ever voiced a frustration? Because I, I hear you talking about Rick and him getting sideways about the offense. Their offense is him with the ball in his hands all the time. Oh, okay. Wait, hold on. Before we get to this, this is via Tim McMahon, and this is to your point. Shout out to Sasha Mack for putting this quote in. Rick Carlisle said this about the Pacers. It's a team of skilled, unselfish guys that play hard. It's always possible that moves could be made before the season, but I think Kevin Pritchard and I are both excited about getting the roster healthy and seeing what this team can be. I do want to get to the point, a question that you said about Luka, but this gets back to your point of him may not being aligned with um, Donnie Nelson being gone. And it seems like he can, based on this quote, and, you know, this is just a quote that this is, it's all bliss right now. It's all money. Like, you know, they haven't gone in through any times together, but he's talking about how him and Kevin Pritchard can put together a roster and put together somewhere together. And I, and that goes back to the control thing. As for the Mavs, uh, Rick Carlisle told ESPN, it's hard to put an exact finger on it. It's just a feeling that I had that it would be mutually beneficial. My hope is that Jay Kidd will be the next head coach of the Mavs because he and Luca have so many things as commons as players. Hmm. Hmm. I've never seen that before. That was that was interesting. To, to endorse a coach. I don't know what that was. I don't know. Was I don't know what that was. Was that like, oh well shit. Have Jay Kidd deal with that because they're so similar. I don't know. Was that what was that? Was that was what was that? Well, have that quote. And this is something that we're just getting like as we're we're potting. What what was that? What do you think about that quote? I don't know. I think I don't I don't know that he has any. See, that's why I asked you about has there ever been, you know, as you're doing your reporting and digging around the edges, has there any have there been frustrations ever with teammates about playing Luca's style of ball? I don't, not yet. I don't believe so. I haven't seen anybody say that. But I could see why somebody would not like playing with him. Just because they're standing I, 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 around and he's such a ball hog. He's just not a ball hog, but he he, he ha, you have to have the ball in his hands. That he's his one offense. He yeah. is ball dominant, right? Like that's what he that's what he does. It's not. I mean, there are different ways to skin a cat. I don't think there's there's much to that with Rick Carlisle, man. Like you heard, you know, I think you've heard lately this year. You know, people have lobbied for someone to get the job openly. We talked about it on the pod before, right? Uh, who who yeah. was that? Uh, that was uh, Dame. Lillard. Dame, Dame. Um, so I just think that's the day and the age. Also I don't really, trying I don't, to get J-Kid on the team. Uh, J-Kid to coach him. It's but, a J-Kid yeah. thing, huh? Yeah, I guess it's a J-Kid thing, I, I, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what to make. I don't know what to make of these quotes just yet. We just got them, but... I mean, the bottom line is Rick Carlisle is a solid coach, Logan. They're not winning. Yeah. The like, it's not like changing the the uh, like the whole trajectory of what the Pacers are. I don't think the Pacers are winning a title anytime right. soon, no matter what. Um, they need a generational star to do that. And I don't think, unless you draft one, I don't think that that's just going to, that's not going to happen. Nobody's going to Indiana. This right. is what it is. Um, all right, man. Let's take a quick break and we will talk about the postseason. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. And we are back. 
It's time to talk about Hawks Bucks. The Hawks beat the Bucks in game one. 48 mm. points from Trey Young, bro. Mm. He shimmied. Him and John Collins just came to get. This is how out of pocket this team is in a good way. This is a, this is a good way. These motherfuckers. In the third quarter of an Eastern Conference Finals game, Trey Young is throwing a alley oop off the backboard in traffic to another player in John Collins. This is how lit the Hawks are right now. I'm just going to go around and ask you this. Are the Hawks title contenders now? And we just, this was just ignoring this the whole time. Like, me and you are both on the same page with this, been on the same page throughout this playoffs that we don't think that the Hawks, we thought the Hawks are ahead, ahead of schedule. They're just a fun team that'll eventually lose, right? One of those teams. I don't know anymore. I don't know. I think that they might be title contenders. What do you think, Raja? It's my bad, man. It's my bad, Atlanta Hawks. I apologize. I do. Because you, you have to put them in the conversation for being able to win uh, a championship. With what? With what? With what their what their offense is, if if teams are going to continue to play them the way the NBA plays pick and roll now, yeah, which is in that drop coverage, um, allowing Trey Young um, to be at his most brilliant offensively, um, yeah, they're a title contender. Now, what I would say to that is, and it's not taking away the Hawks are. I love watching the Hawks. I don't have a rooting interest in this in this series, right? Like I don't. I I, I don't care who wins. I mean, your favorite team is about to sweep. And go to the finals anyway. So, yeah, so I'm you know, we'll straight. Get that in a second. I'm straight, but but I do think Milwaukee um, is is the better team. Like, I, and it's not a shot to to Atlanta. Like Atlanta did what they're supposed to do. Like I think they have a shot. I think Milwaukee's a better team. Um, it relates to what you're asking me because when Milwaukee decided to change coverages slightly um, and not first of all, they first of all they they sized down right, put Giannis at the five. Um, even Giannis at the four, Bobby Portis at the five. If you're not going to drop your big all the way into the paint, given giving Trey Young the space that he needs to create, then he's they're gonna they're gonna chew you apart. He's gonna wind up with a bunch of buckets and and other people can eat. When they changed, like in the fourth quarter, Trey went cold for a while because there were bodies in front of him. There was less space. The way you have to get to Trey Young is with 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 a little bit more touches, physical. Like be, be, you're just letting him operate in space, high pick and roll up out at half court. There's no body attached to him. The big is, I don't know, 16 feet back in the paint. This man is operating as the smallest guy on the court in as much space as he, as he wants. That's a recipe for fucking disaster, man. Like yeah. you have to have him size has to overwhelm him. And dropping a motherfucker back all the way into the paint, excuse my language right now, because I'm hot. Like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever seen, bro. You can't just watch him do that shit for three quarters. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's funny. It's funny, though, because I you got the sense, even in this game, that the Bucs were the better team. Like, when they turned it on, they turned it on. And I want to get to the Bucs and their lack of execution, to put it lightly down the stretch, because I think I'm going to get you mad again. I want to get to that in a second. What's up? What's up? No, they were they were bullshit. They came out on some bullshit. They came out of the gates looking like that shit was fucking <laughs> preseason basketball. I got you. Hold on. I, I want to talk about the Hawks for a second because I do want to get them there just due because we have to talk about the Bucks because down the stretch, they were just all some, some BS throughout the whole down the stretch. I do want to ask you, though. You're a defender, Raja. We we know we know the type of player you were. Ice Trey is being mad disrespectful 
in general on his way to 48 points. And I'm smiling as I'm saying it because I liked it. This dude off a screen shimmies beforehand and hits a three in the face of the Bucks. What do you do with this kind of – how do we feel – I love this swagger, but I also know the other side of this swagger. I love it. Like, if this dude – if you're going to let this dude do this, then you're just – he just going to do it, and I respect it. If you make the shop after a shimmy, I get it. I Do it. On the other side of that, Raul Raja, what, what is the feeling when someone just blatantly disrespects you like that, and then your team does not respond? This dude shimmied in your face, and you lose yeah. the game. What? How do you feel on the other? How would you feel on the other side of this? All right, can I address the? Can I address him and the way the Hawks are playing first? Let me do that. Yes, I think it's dope. Do like if a if if somebody's gonna let you act a fool, and you obviously there's a joy that they play with that I like to watch that that off the backboard shit. Like that's they're playing with that's a joy. That's a you know. Um, you know how much so audacity shit. you have to do to throw a ball Dog. off the backboard at a what Eastern Conference Finals? <laughs> you out there having fun, bro, and I love it. And and yeah. so to that point, if a dude's gonna let you shimmy on him. Um, shimmy on his ass and then you better knock it down though, which he did. Um, yes, did. From my perspective on the other team though, I'm hot. Like I can only do so much as the man tasked with guarding Trey Young. Can you yeah. dig what I'm saying? Because they're screening me over and over. So I have a choice. Like I can go under it if it's really high, right? And he's, uh, he's but he's got stupid range. Um, so, so he's going to get as many shots as he wants off of that. Or I can climb up and try to get over the top of that screen but now I'm on his back and he's coming downhill and there's no resistance to him until he gets inside the free throw line. I can't do anything with that. I'm on his back. So I guess what I'm saying to you is I would want to take not, not dirty plays on him, not cheap shots at him, but I would want to make him pay for that by being as physical as I could on every possession. Can you dig what I'm saying? Like just within the flow of the game, there are shots that you can take on people that are not, outside of the scope of basketball, the cumulative effect, hoping, you know, to wear him out. But if they're just going to let him operate in space and I have no help on those screen and roll situations, then I, I can't do it. They were setting so many screens just outside the three-point line, right? And you could see how great – they have great defenders on the Bucs. They do. You go you – you set a screen if, if – if, uh, if, if Holiday is is the initial defender, is the initial primary defender, you do a screen, you switch P.J. Tucker onto him. You do mm -hmm. another screen, you switch Giannis onto him. Trey didn't give one fuck about this. He, shoot, he shot in the face of Giannis from like 35 feet out. He doesn't care. I, my question to you is, though, it's funny because I'm looking at the stat line right now. I see some Iverson vibes on this. Do you, do you see any Iverson vibes with Trey Young? Just from a stature standpoint, and just like he is their primary offense, especially on that 01 Sixers team where Le where where Iverson was, he had to give you guys 35 and give you 38 and 48 for you guys to be in. And this was like oh, early 2000s, so the the, the final scores were like 99, 98 or whatever. But yeah. he had to give you that offense. I see that with Trey Young right now. Do you see any similarities between the two? Uh, yes and no. Like stature, yes. Um, having to carry the the load of your offensive responsibility for the team, yes. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Chuck didn't shoot like like he shoots from as far as he shot. Um, he was more of a rim finisher, you know, uh, you know, mid range. He shoots some threes, but their styles are different. Didn't play out of pick and roll a, as much as Trey Young. I mean, he's in pick and roll predominantly. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, I don't I don't know what percentage of the time, but it's pretty high. 
percentage of the time. So yes and no, Logan. Um, man, I don't, I, I, I don't know, dog. Like the, again, so you talk about the Giannis possession, right? Yeah. That Giannis possession where he shot it. Giannis, what the fuck are you looking at? Like he was looking away let's from the play. Let's transition into Bucks right now. Yeah, let's go into the Bucks. Like let's, he's looking, for, he was looking for a screen, I have to guess, right? Um, and, and, you know, Trey is a gifted scorer, bro. He caught you looking away. He was deep. You didn't expect it and he pulled it. Um, but I think generally speaking, when that length was on him, when those Drew Holidays, when those PJs, when the Giannis's were on him, you know, field goal attempts became a lot harder for him. He, he's not super athletic. Like he's not beating you off the bounce over and over again. He'll, he's kind of like shifty. So he'll shift you and create some space to get a shot off. But with length, he struggled at times to, 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 to finish. Um, what happens is they just keep running pick and roll until you get Brooke Lopez in it. Yeah. Right. Or until you got Bobby Portis, but Brooke was worse. And at that point, those cats can't switch. They're in a drop coverage. And here he goes. He gets what he wants, which is coming downhill. Either you go under and I pulled the three or you go over and I'm downhill into my float game. The other part that was missing for the Bucks was they're getting no touch on the rim run. Mm. Right. They're, they're getting nobody coming from the weak side. Real talk. The Hawks were struggling with that down the stretch too on those couple timeouts. Um, when they came out, they were getting no touch when Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton were coming off of Giannis and now Giannis is rolling. Whoever's in that weak side corner um, or who's in that corner on the back side of that has to come over and take away the big at the rim. Neither team did that very well. So like it was it was kind of frustrating. Obviously, I think I still think Milwaukee is the most talented team. But how much is this this um postseason has come down to coaching in that way. And I think it always comes down to coaching, but particularly in this series, how much do you think that down the stretch, this this game has come down to coaching as opposed to talent and coaching decisions down the stretch? Because there was a time when Milwaukee had complete control of the game, three minutes left, and it looked like they were going to win easily. They turned it on. Okay, yeah, y'all was cute. That was a nice little run, Atlanta. Yeah. All right, we're just going to, we're just going to pick and roll and throw Lopsy Giannis the whole time and the game is over. And what do you think about coaching down the stretch, though, for the Milwaukee Bucks? So, I again, I thought Bud should have went to that small lineup earlier in that game and tried to contain that man before he got up to, like, 30 at halftime. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? He had 18 in the second half, right? Yeah. So once you made the adjustment, it, 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 it you know, paid dividends. But, like, it took him a while to get to it. So down the stretch, Logan, I thought they were in the right defense. I thought they had the right, they had the right personnel on, on the floor. What happened to them was like they had control of the game and, and fucking Atlanta just out-hustled them for, the, I don't know, they got four offensive rebounds. John Collins winds up knocking a three down out of the corner off a of one Capella of them. gets an offensive Capella, rebound. They just got outworked. And I don't know that that's on coaching. Like I, I give Bud the business all the time, but that's not that's not coaching, man. That's, that's again, Milwaukee not, for one reason or another, not understanding the gravity of, of game one in that series. Okay, but like I think that goes back. I think that goes back down to coaching, Roger. I and mean, you could say that. If, I, I, and I think the biggest thing um, was the last three possessions of the game for them. I'm going to read this to you. All right. As I wrote it down. I was so I was just so I was steamed. First one, first play down the stretch. Giannis doesn't touch the ball. 25 seconds left. Pat Connington gets a wide open three air balls. Right. Right. Second play, they take 10 seconds off the clock, give the ball to Giannis, he goes to the free throw line. No, it was it was just egregious clock management. He makes them both cool. Then the last play, off-balance shot from Middleton. Just like, just not even, just wasn't, a, he had a cool look, wasn't a great shot. That's out of timeouts. Those are set plays out of timeouts. 
That's when I think it goes down to coaching. And that's something that we've talked about a lot when we talk about um, Bud and this Bucks team, not just this season, but seasons in the past where down the stretch, they just don't, they don't have it. They don't have a, a, a good play where they can just get a quick bucket. Um, it seems like it's just so hard down the stretch when it doesn't have to be with all that talent. What we'll, we'll say you? I, I disagree um, with down the stretch. First of all, they had, they had run, they had called two timeouts prior to that, that uh, Chris Middleton play where he hit Connaughton, where they got, they ran great action and got Giannis right at the rim. Like two great, you know, ATOs after timeout uh, Jones. Like, so those were, those were good. The, that one you're talking about with Chris Middleton, they ran, they ran like a screen, the screener taking Chris Middleton like down the sideline into the strong side corner. Yeah. Like Chris Middleton was bad last night. Like that's supposed to be a Chris Middleton bucket. That's why you draw that up. And Chris Middleton drove it and, and, you know, kicked it out to, to Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton ain't supposed to have a ball. That shit wasn't drawn up for Pat Connaughton. You know what I mean? Like that's Chris Middleton shoots that ball 85% of the time. He just didn't shoot it last night. And so I will give you the next possession though. They look like they were searching for a three and trying to do everything they could. And they were, you know, I, the Hawks were just like, no, fuck that. Throw it to Giannis. And yeah. we're going to foul him. So like, I, again, I, I give, I give Bud the business, but last night, I don't know that that was blood down the stretch, man. I think that was, I think that was just, you know, Chris, what they didn't have last night more than anything, Giannis was, I mean, sorry, uh, uh, Logan was their fucking closer. They didn't have Chris Middleton. He's their closer. Six of 23 from the field. Oh, of nine from three point range. That's what he does. This, this is, and, but also you had Drew Holiday, 33 points. No, Drew, Drew was, look, Drew kept them afloat while Chris, while Chris wasn't doing his thing. And Giannis was quiet early. Drew played phenomenal. Yeah. But, you're, he's not your closer. And Giannis really, Giannis is like your 1B as a closer. Chris Middleton is the dude who, in the, in the net series, who had the ball, like trying to create shots down the stretch. That's, yeah. Chris, that's Chris Middleton. He's their closer. He's their versatile scorer. And he was off. Game two. I mean, honestly, the Hawks already won this. They won this, this split already. They already got the split. They're fine. They're playing with house money. I think the Bucks win and win pretty big in game two. I don't know what's going to happen beyond that. Do you? Do you, I still have the Bucks winning the series? I'm just the Hawks have had just a perfect storm, and I, I don't discount that. I do not discount that. I just you know things have just gone their way in a way that's like it's just in a magical way where just you know when 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 you it's like they're destined similar to the Phoenix Suns in a lot of ways where it's just like a, a lot of breaks are just going their way this season uh, or in this postseason. So. I got the Bucks winning it, winning game two, and ultimately winning the series, but it's kind of, it's looking a little shaky. What you think? So I'm not really. I'm with you. Um, I think the Bucks win the series. I remember I, I thought I had the Bucks in five, um, but I said they were all going to be really good games. I thought like I thought that the the Hawks would push them. They'd be good, entertaining games, and I thought I had the Bucks in five. I, I'll I'll give you six maybe now, right after they stole that okay. game. But I do think the Bucks are the better team, and I think. You know, you were really close to tra- saying Trey had forty eight and they lost. What do you do? F- what do you do now? Yeah. You know, now ifs was a fifth. I get it, but like you were really, really close. So Trey's going to have to do that, and I can't, boy. But if you come out there with if you come out there with that boy again in the drop coverage, here's what you need to do. If he if Brook Lopez is going to play, and you're going to have him in a drop coverage because you're stubborn, you know what you need to do with Brook Lopez? Post his ass up. Do you remember no, old no Brook Lopez? No threes. You know what, no threes. <laughs> 
You know what old Brooke Lopez used to look like with the Nets? Oh, I do. I that do. was all post work. He's got footwork. Like, and and I correct me if I'm wrong, but Capella was playing Giannis. Make yeah. them you have to, he has to produce something to be to warrant being on the court, allowing Trey to score them points. I'm gonna make you more mad, Raja. I think I'm gonna make you more mad. I'm looking at the stat sh- the stat sheet. Brooke Lopez went three of seven from the field. Four of those shots was from three-point range. Come on, man. What the fuck? Come on, man. Come on, man. You okay? Bro, are you good? Are you good? I'm good. Are you good? I mean, it's a good chess match, though, right? Like you thought, I thought Giannis would guard, you know, I thought Capella, you know, that'd be a good thing for Brooke be out there, try to draw Capella away from the rim. They put Capella on Giannis. Like, but now you gotta make a choice with Brooke. Brooke, you gotta punish John Collins, bro, or Danilo Gallinari, whoever the fuck they put out there. They're giving up, you know, five, six inches. You got you gotta punish them, man. Run some shit, get him on the block, get him off the court. Yo, man, Capella, we all saw what happened with him and Embiid. He held his own yeah, last night. He had thir- He had 12 and 19. Yes, sir. Respect that. Say a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack. Or, as an add-on to your meal, Arby's 2 for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Nissan. Level up your next four-wheeled adventure with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Built to navigate you to some of Earth's most awe-inspiring spots with seven drive modes and all the power you need. Get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. And we are back. Let's talk about the Celtics real quick. They just hired a coach, M.A. Udoka, former assistant of the longtime assistant of the Spurs and the Nets, was on uh, Steve, Steve Nash's staff uh, with, the, uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, basically, Raja is going to take his vacant seat in Brooklyn <laughs> soon. Um, <laughs> but now he's in Boston. Now Dudoka's in Boston. What do you think about this um, About this move? Uh, that Brad, Brad Stevens' first, well, second big move after trading away Kimba, but his first coaching hire, what do you think? I like it. Um, first of all, we get another black head coach in the NBA. I think that's dope. Um, that's, that's where we're going to start. Secondly, I think it's dope for the NBA and the programs that they put in place for their players. Um, I was with Ime Udoka at, at the NBA Top 100 camp probably 13 years ago. I don't know, 14 years ago. And it, it was a program linked with the NBA Top 100 for high school seniors, a coaching clinic provided by the, the MBPA, right? Mm, so Tony okay. Bennett and, um, and Brendan Soar put it on and they walked us through a bunch of coaching things. We did all kinds of stuff that week. Ime was part of that with me. So that's where he, okay. that's where he got it. Luke Walton was part of that. These are guys that are NBA head coaches now. So that's pretty cool for the MBPA and the, and the resources that they try to provide for their players. Um, I think the Celtics have, like Brad Stevens knows his shit. Like whether he was able to ultimately get them over the hump or not, he's a really smart dude. Um, I think Ime is going to do a good job, but I think they have a bigger problem. What's that? And this is just me personally, is their roster. Um, they've got a lot of talent. Like, they've accumulated a lot of talent. Guys are, are all-stars, burgeoning on superstars in some cases. But you have to have, you have, to have quality vets um, that establish culture. I talk about that all the time. You got a bunch of really young um, NBA players trying to teach other younger NBA players how to win. 
and how to be pros and how to conduct themselves. And, I, and they haven't conducted themselves poorly, but it's a hard thing to do. Like, that's why that's why guys keep around the Udonis Haslam's. It's why, you know, Kurt Thomas's and Brian Grant's were around real late into their career. It wasn't because they were still averaging. You you need to have those type of people um, in the building, and they don't they don't have a lot of those. And and look, I watch those games. There's not there's not a a a, a clear delineation of of roles in in Boston. Now maybe Emay could get that figured out, um, but maybe it's a case you know of guys that they have there, thinking that there's something that they're not. And we talk about this all the time. So somebody, somebody has to take a back seat. You understand what I'm saying? Like I, I mean, somebody's and and I see guys shooting shots in Boston at times. They just look out of character. Just a casual fan could watch that and be like, "Yo, why is he shooting that?" Like that's that's not, you know, if I can, if if a casual fan could say, "Why the fuck would he shoot that?" Then you're shooting shots you shouldn't shoot. And so that's a bigger problem for me in, in Boston. I hope, and it's funny. I hope it can get figured out. I I do agree with you on the roster setup and. Overall point of just Boston not being a culture fit for a lot of players. I mean, think about the players that have gone through there and haven't been successful, right? First, you talk about, you know, when Kyrie came, it didn't work out you know, for whatever reason. It just did not work out. Then you try to double down and try to get Kimba. That doesn't work out. And then you're left with the this this group of people that you've drafted who, I mean, you can kind of see why they'd feel some type of way. You could, you know, like when Kyrie went out, Jason Tatum, a rookie, balled out, went toe-to-toe with Braun, you know? And then um, you bring all these guys back, and they're like, nah, bro, we went to the conference finals without Kyrie. We're, we are who we are. And I, it was just a natural progression, and I don't think that it it helped. It helped in the moment, but it probably hurt them in the, in the grand scheme of things, that moment. So let me ask you a question, because this is where I find, this is where I think Boston finds themselves. I don't know that either Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown right now is ready to win a championship as the number one. I don't know that. I think they could be in a few years. Can you dig what I'm saying? Like, I think they're on that track, but I don't know that they can. So like right now. So if you're Boston, like, and you just talked about those dudes, like being like, what the fuck, man? Like I balled out. What can you bring in? a number one or is, are you taking the approach of like, all right, Emay's here. Those guys need two or three years. We'll just keep supplementing, you know, with younger talent. You understand what I'm saying? Cause there's going to have to be a point if you can't as, as one of those two dudes that you got to accept someone else coming in here that can, or if you're the Celtics, you got to let them develop, develop, develop until they can and only supplement with, with pieces that can, that can kind of supplement them. Yeah, nah, we'll see what happens. He's he has his work cut out for him here, man. I, I I don't I don't have anything more to say than that. But I do like the I do like the hire. He's been well respected. Um, and was you know, and the ESPN report from Woad said that you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart Smart actually strongly recommended Udoka to be hired because That's they great. you know they they played with him in the FIBA World Cup in 2019. They really like know what he brings to the table so obviously he comes in with respect let's see if that that does something i don't know i don't think the Celtics by any means are a title contender but you know hopefully this is a good foundation for something in the future um we're about here to talk about roger bell's sons who are up 2-0 in the western mm. conference finals mm. how you feel how are like how are you feeling right now how are you feeling in, about the valley of the sun right now 
I'm happy for the Suns, man. I'm I'm happy to be a former Sun. It looks electric. I remember those environments, man. When 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 uh, when we were good and there was something to look forward to, and there were there were hopes and dreams. So like, it's really cool, man. And that, oh, that's one of the best plays in NBA history, man. Mm, yeah. Like, so, seriously, yeah. think about the stage it was on. Like the the amount of time that was left. Uh, like that was that was. I mean, I know it's new and it's recent, and you like to like hold older plays from your memory bank in that esteem. But that's one of the best plays. Yeah. Like, come on, we set it up. That's, we're talking about we're talking about the alley oop to Aiden. Also, for uh, to end the game, incredible pass by Jay Crowder. Incredible pass, like pass. from behind the rim, behind the backboard. You only have a you have a very small margin of error there, and it's funny because that was one of the plays to Aiden where it happened so fast. You kind of didn't know what to think of it, right? Versus the dunk, and you know dunks. When you know dunks at the buzzer are tricky, right? Because you still have your hand on the ball. It's it's just it's tricky. Then his hands were over the rim. You don't really know exactly. You see it and you're like, did that really happen? We need a replay. That was definitely a we need a replay play, and it counted. And it was like, oh my good, oh my god, <laughs> right? It was electric up in there. I wish I wish you could experience. I wish you could go back right now, like and experience it for like for the next game. I wish if they go to the finals, we need to, we need to get Raja back in Phoenix when they go to the finals. Oh, we just have what? to get him back. Man, in the yes, building. let's start a campaign. Yes, yeah, let's, let's do get, this. Hashtag get Raja to Phoenix um, <laughs> when we get on here. Hashtag hashtag that. Um, hashtag real ones um, live from Phoenix. The hashtag that. that. Yeah, that's the one. Hashtag uh, real ones live from Phoenix. Let's do mm-hmm. that. Um, but. Let's talk about game two. It was a very game one was a very, 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 very physical game. Very yeah. physical game. And it started when Ty Lu put Pat Bev on Devin Booker as his primary defender. And let me just be real. Pat Bev beat the shit out of Devin Booker all game long. He just beat his ass. That was his that was the the, the MO. I'm and I don't I think we talked earlier about physicality and sometimes with Trey Young, and sometimes you just got it not dirty in a way. I think Pat Bev told that line, as he always does. That's the type of player that he is, right? He fouled the shit out of Devin Booker all the time and was just like, yo, man, you know, just one of those guys like, oh, did I do that? Oh, oops, excuse me. I'm Excuse me. Yes. Oh, yes, I'm here. <laughs> and then it came to a crescendo when they, I don't, I don't, you said he didn't headbutt uh, Devin Booker. Their heads collided, and Devin Booker's nose is probably broken, right? And yes. what do you think that this physicality is too physical for postseason basketball? Right on par. What's going on? And you're you're looking at me like Logan. You're fucking stupid. What are you talking about? What what are here. you fucking talking about, man? <laughs> what are you? What do you mean too physical? This like they've tried to strip any physicality of any real meaning out of the game. They've done a good fucking job, like. These games aren't very physical, but this game was more physical than you normally see. That's Patrick Beverly's job, bro. Like his job is to be out there to touch him up, man, to like make his life difficult. Whatever that means within within like I have six fouls. By the end of the game, I'm giving you five of them. If I, you know, hopefully they keep you off the foul line like they they're not five while you're shooting, but I'm taking them and I'm hoping that by the end of the game, I've worn you out or I've frustrated you or I've done whatever I could do to throw you off to a degree that allows my team to win the game. So I have no problem with that. Now the headbutt, I don't think it was a headbutt. Like it was just a, they collided, man. He went to reach for a ball and Devin Booker went to go at the same time. And, 
and heads. It hit, was just that, it was just too perfect of a situation. It just happened at two. Okay, it happened. But but mm. you know, I get I get it. Suns fans are going to say, "Oh, he headbutt him." He did not. He did not. Um, but are, are you sure you want that invitation to, to Phoenix, man? We're trying to get you to Phoenix. We're trying to get us to Phoenix right now. Any Suns fan who knows me knows, like, I keep it a buck, man. I ain't. Okay. I'm still. I, I'm still rolling with the Suns, but I don't think he intentionally tried to headbutt that man. So. Um, you know, that's that's Patrick Beverly's job. And that's what it's what I'm saying you got to do to Luca. That's what you have to do to great scorers, man. Like Jerry, Jerry Sloan used to say, Oh, he wants to play in a fucking tuxedo. Like, we can't <laughs> let him play in a fucking tuxedo. Like, because that was the like that's the way you have to try to affect great scorers. If you just give them space and let them do what they do, they're gonna eat you up. Now, whatever Pat Bev was doing was effective because the man in part helped hold Devin Booker to 5 of 16 from the field. I mean I it was it was it was it was effective, you know what I mean? Whatever you want to say, it was effective. Um we got a campaign game. We got a campaign game. 29 points. He balled out. And the thing that I was wondering and, and you know, we got Chris Paul coming back for game game 3 here in LA. Um and the thing with the Suns is they have second. They're so much deeper than the Clippers right now in terms of like who they can go to or scoring options and what they can do with the with the. Is this series with Chris Paul coming back and we don't know the status of Kawhi? Is this this series pretty much over in your eyes? Do you think that this is something that the what are you thinking right now? Because I just think with this with the Suns much more deeper team. You got Chris Paul coming back with the Clippers. Only one real bona fide primary scorer, and that is Paul George. Reggie Jackson's been balling. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hating on Reggie Jackson. He's been playing his ass off. However, I look down the roster. You got Marcus Morris Senior, um, three of eleven. You have Zubac, four or five, fourteen points. Other than that, there's really like there's a Luke Kennard double figures, but he only had ten. The primary scoring is coming from Reggie Jackson and Paul George, by and large. And that's a lot of pressure to put on those two, especially when you have on the other side a guy like Chris Paul coming back. What do you think with this series? How do you think this series goes? Uh, is is going to evolve? I think the Suns win this series, but I, I'm reluctant to say that it's over, Logan. Um, you know, you're going back, you're going back home. You know, it's corny, it's cliche, but some of these guys are going to play better at home. Um, I've got enough of a track record now with with uh, T. Lou. He is going to make the adjustments. Again, you talked about campaign having that phenomenal game. Not taking anything away from how good he was because he was great. A lot of that existed because you're in that drop coverage again with with Zubac and and uh, and Boogie, and he's just coming down like Biden time, Biden time, and then he's hitting you with the lefty floater, right? Like you got to clean that up. You have to. You know, I don't, what is there an adjustment though for like you talk about drop coverage? Maybe there's an adjustment for uh, Zubac, but with Boogie, right now, man, he has like two flat tires right now. I, I just don't, I don't know if he well, can, no, if, if, the adjustment may be a personnel adjustment, just not putting him do, in the game. Just do you understand maybe, what I'm saying? Like the adjustment yeah, yeah. might be, yeah, you see Luke Kennard more than you saw more than the 11 minutes he played, or the 19 minutes he played. He had 10 points in 19. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just know T. Lou makes adjustments, and that was the reason that um the campaign was getting buckets. But so for those reasons, I, I think that the Clips have a shot in game three to get game three. If they do not, then I have them getting swept out of the playoffs. But if they get game three, I think we get a series and the Suns still win it. I think the Suns 
sweep one in five at the most if Kawhi doesn't come back. Honestly, I, I think that's what that is. Um, it's been a fun. It's been a. It's been a cool series. I'm, I'm really loving the. Uh, even at the um, though, you know, Devin Booker was five of sixteen from the field. After that nose break, he made timely shots, man. Like I really love this. I love this Suns team. They do that. Oh, one other thing I wanted to ask you. We know your favorite person in the world, Scott Foster. <laughs> Did you see the bat the bat out of bounds call at the end? Oh, the 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 Patrick Beverly hit the it Patrick out. Patrick Beverly hit it oh. out, but it's off Devin Booker. Yeah, that's a sh- that's a shit. Like that. what? I get it, like I get it, but the spirit of the rule is it is not off Devin Booker, man. It is, it was a smart play by Pat Bev because Pat Bev already knew if you put it to replay, they're gonna say it's off uh, Devin Booker. Even though, the, like, if we're pl- me and you are playing pickup, obviously you're gonna win. If me and you are playing pickup and you strip me out of bounds, it's my ball. Like, it, it's, ball. it's just my ball. You're gonna give me the ball, yes. um, and then strip me again and again and again. But anyway, <laughs> I I don't like this ruling. How do we? Even with replay, how do we get this shit out of the game? Like, I don't like this. This isn't, it's it's not, it's not cool. Yeah, I don't know, man. I've wrestled with this. First, I mean, that play, that ball was off of Devin Booker, right? But, yeah. like, if you slow it down to microseconds of film, it's off of Devin Booker. But, but anyone who hoops knows that that ball's off of Patrick Beverly. Yeah, right. So time. So, right. So, like, I don't love that. But once you, you know, once you open... Pandora's box, so to speak, with the replay, you open yourself up for all of that. Like, how do I don't know what's the answer to just to not have replay? I'm fine with no replay. I don't love replay. I I can also understand why people like replay. I think also you can have a bit more nuance, though, right? Like, yeah, it came off of Devin Booker. However, you know, like you know the play. We saw it. That's it. No, you can't do that. that. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. Because now you got motherfuckers like Scott Foster and Zach Zorba and all of them refs, like. You're just gonna leave it up to the, the like you're gonna go to replay and then grant them the the latitude to be like ah mm. nah fuck you can't do that if you're gonna use replay that shit's got to be off of Devin Booker so this is just unintended consequences that's just gonna have to ride right is this what you're Absolutely. saying or you're okay. gonna have to get rid of it because I don't think you can have three officials over there and give them this the 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 breath to be like ah nah come on dog like you already know that's we cannot open up that fucking box yeah. Who wins? Who wins tonight? I got Phoenix. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the Suns too, bro. I'm gonna take the. You Suns. just said. You just said that the series isn't over, and then was like, "I'm gonna pick them to win Game 3. I said, "If they sweep. win Game Three, okay, the series and, and, isn't over, right?" Like, because I, I could see, you know, okay. I could see those guys playing better and stuff at home. I, I just don't think Devin Booker pl- has that type of offensive performance again tonight. I have a follow up for you. Will you ever pick against the Suns for the rest of the season? Because <laughs> you haven't. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hell no. No. Oh, um, I will. When they when they when they see the Bucks in the finals, there'll be times where I have to pick against mm. the Suns. When they okay. see the Bucks in the finals, where, I'll have where would my the parade ride. be in Phoenix if you guys like? What is the 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 main thoroughfare? What would you? Where do you? Where do you guys have it? What's the? That's, what's the that's street? a great question. Um, it's let's not. Mm. I don't want to ask that. Let's not. Let's not do that question because that might. Okay, don't Let's not do it. Let's do it. Um, let's get to real one of the week. I'm gonna go first. Real one of the week is none other than Magic Johnson because I go. I I wake up this morning, like I said, about to do the rundown, and I go on Twitter and I see this man. Lifting weights on a on a yacht off Ugh. the coast of Greece. 
Oh, fuck it. I was like, yo, man, like, you're a legend. You're, you're a legend, Magic Johnson. And he was like, I'm on vacation, but I'm still working out. And I said, go ahead, Magic Johnson. Live your best life, homie. I respect the energy. And then, like, there was another... He was just dropping videos from Greece off his yacht. And, you know, it was there was another one where he was, like, he posted a video of, like, him off the coast of Greece. Or somebody posted a video off the coast of Greece. And he is over here, like, yeah, you know. You can hear him in the background, like, yeah, you know. Yeah, y'all just come down tonight, you know, and I will pick you up and it's all good. Woo, woo, woo. And, he just, and he's bringing friends over, like... Wow. We Raja, we need to find a way to get go to be able to go to vacation with Magic Johnson. Is all I'm saying that that shit looked amazing. It looked Dog, great. Magic is in phenomenal. I'm watching this man curl these 35s, 40s right now. He might be 45s. He is in great shape. I see you, Magic. Okay, do you homie. see Magic? Real one yeah, of the week, Magic. Magic Johnson. Real one of the week, Magic. Man, look at that freaking boat, man. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um. Okay. Well, my real one of the week. I mean, I I can't go to anyone else for me. It's it's Trey Young. Yeah. Okay. It's Ice Trey. I mean, what he's doing, uh, as frustrated as I can get with with the teams for the way they guard him, I mean, it's, it's fantastic to watch. And he makes some tough shots. Uh, he's also dropping a ton of dimes. I think that that part of his game gets overlooked so much because of how much he scores the ball. But he really is playing phenomenal. They're great to watch. Um you know, game seven against game seven against the Sixers, game one against the the Bucks. Ice Trey's real one. Respect, man. This is a nice little fun episode, nice little playoff episode, right, man? Yeah. If you guys want to um, follow more on the Ringer NBA show, um, check out the mismatch on Spotify. Also check out group chat. Also check out the answer every Friday, um, and follow the Ringer NBA on Twitter for all your NBA playoff needs. Also check out Black Girl Songbook with who? Raja Bell. Mm, town legend Danielle Smith. Make sure you check out R2C2 with who? Raja Bell. Vallejo legend. I mean, they're really close. I feel like I should say the same thing, but Vallejo legend, CC Sabathia. Exactly. Um, we're also, we're going to be putting your mad hoopers on our Monday episodes during the playoffs. So please leave us a voicemail at 510-469-0294 and tell us why you're mad. Shout out to Jethro Jenkins for giving us a... Um, Tell us why you're mad to start last podcast. That was fun. We might do multiple ones to start this one, man. So please tell us why you're mad. And um, somebody said the last one. I don't know if you listened back to like the fully edited version, Roger, but somebody was like, so it was, I guess it was one of our, somebody from Australia was like, to Ben Simmons, shoot the ball, shoot the goddamn ball. I'm out. <laughs> that was just it. It was 10 <laughs> seconds and he was out. It was great. It was awesome. Shout out. Thank you to all our fans, man. We will see you guys on Monday. Holla.